Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin and, and I wanted to squeeze in one little extra episode here before the end of the year to have a quick conversation about something that has come up a couple times in the podcast and is always popular when we talk about it. We always get people asking for more and that is child nutrition and getting kids to eat more seafood. And uh, I think this is something that's really important for people who, particularly in North America, who uh, have kids and, and want their kids to eat seafood and want to understand how much they should be giving them and what kids need to have good balanced nutrition. And so what I did was I reached out to two dietitians that have been on the show before. Recently, we had Barbara Ruse on talking about food as medicine. And a couple of years ago, we had Sherry Clark on and her voice has been kind of present throughout the podcast in a couple different episodes. And she's from here at GSA. And so I brought them both together. And I just wanted to have a little discussion and pick their brains a little bit about child nutrition, what they need versus what adults need, and how we can get our kids to eat more seafood so they're nice and healthy and growing strong and all that. So uh, it was a great conversation. I'm not going to go into all of the uh, normal housekeeping stuff that I do for this because this is a bonus episode, but I hope you enjoy this conversation I have with them and I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're doing this extra little bonus episode today to sit down with two people who are registered dietitians and they are returning champions who have been on the show previously. We're sitting down with Barbara Ruse and Sherry Clark. Thank you guys so much for coming back on. Uh, Sherry was on the podcast very early on. If you listen to some of the first couple episodes, you'll hear her voice. We took snippets from her interview and put them in one of our kind of mishmash you know, heavy production episodes. But we also had you back on to do a regular episode talking about getting kids to eat seafood. Was that correct, Sherry? We talked about that a little bit. I think so. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a long time. And then Barb was on uh, recently talking about um, food as medicine. And that's a really great episode too. And I'll make sure to link to all of these episodes in the show notes. But I wanted to get them together and see if we can have a conversation about nutrition in general. But one thing that if every time we mention it always gets a lot of interest is child nutrition and why it's important for kids to eat seafood and how can we get them to eat more and stuff like that. But first, I want to introduce you guys to each other. So uh, you, at, through this, we will introduce you again to our audience. But um, Barb, can you uh, give us a little rundown of who you are and as you you know introduce yourself to Sherry? Sure. Thanks, Sean. Um, you're so good at this. It's uh, I, I have less stress oh, when you. I'm going to be interviewed <laughs> by you because you make it so easy. So thank you again for inviting me back. And it's always so wonderful to meet and collaborate and and speak with another dietitian. Uh, Sherry um, has such an interesting background and so different than mine. And I just love just love hearing about her background. Um, but I'll give you a little bit about my, about mine. And since we will be talking about child nutrition today, that actually is the beginning of my career. I don't even think that my LinkedIn, you know, if you were to stalk me and go back onto my um, profile, I don't think it even goes back as far as my first career uh, job. Uh, and I work for child nutrition programs uh, for the state of Massachusetts. 
So back then, uh, there was a position called the State Nutrition Education Training Program Coordinator, and that's short for basically being the nutrition education lead for all the school nutrition, not even school nutrition, but mostly the school lunch programs, the school breakfast, there's a child and adult care food program, uh, Mm -hmm. summer food service program. So all the programs that are uh, run through the federal government, uh, they had a nutrition person in every state that would support those programs. And that was right when the Healthy School Meals Initiative was passed in the late 90s to uh, basically align the school meal programs with the dietary guidelines. And wow, was that an introduction to public health because um, changing the school meal programs, which is a whole nother conversation, uh, I was there to support school food service directors um, in, in healthifying and uh, you know, complying with nutrition guidelines for those school meals. So that was the beginning of my career. And through many trials and tribulations, doing a bunch of different things, private practice, I worked for Harvard University, uh, and then have spent the last 15, almost 15 years in, in retail. So working for supermarkets mm-hmm. uh, and also food brands. That sounds great. Yeah, mine is, my background is very <laughs> different. Um, and then I started in clinical, um, and when I finished my internship, I started working for nutrition support team, which was a multidisciplinary approach to providing critical care uh, nutrition through feeding tubes and IV nutrition. Ultimately, you're still providing nutrition, but you have more control. But I also worked for the health, uh, the health and wellness, wellness center at Loyola University, and we had a weight loss program. So um, that was my my job in the evenings. But During the day, we did inpatient and outpatient. So the outpatient was bariatric surgery and also transplant. So lung transplant, liver transplant, and um, child cystic fibrosis. And the one thing these all have in common is just making sure you improve uh, decreased length of stay with with good nutrition and also improve surgical outcomes. And also making sure when you're really malnourished, you don't have a good surgical outcome. So making sure that we, we provide uh, ample nutrition. Protein was extremely important even then um, to help with with the outcome. So that's kind of where I began. I got my master's in business and then kind of led into food industry, working for Diamond Crystal Brands, a division of Hormel Foods um, that made food supplements uh, for, for patients. And then um, McCain Foods, uh, that was when we were working on a, a Better For You initiative, um, because when you're working in a time where trans fats were big, we had to educate our sales team and our customers about how we can still uh, market these products as good for you and better for you because all foods can fit um, when you we talked about activity balance and control so I did that and then I worked for Highlander Foods which kind of got me into seafood um, and worked with club stores um, in retail and then now I'm at Global Seafood Alliance um, working on brand strategy and um, we did our first consumer uh, marketing campaign we initially started uh, marketing to producers and um, and retailers, but now that consumers care about where their food is coming from and what goes into the story behind it, um, we had a, we're, we're just finishing the analysis of our campaign. But um, we've gotten very positive feedback, so there's probably more to come um, working with consumers. So yeah, Sherry's in here a few days a week, and uh, I she, she I want to thank you on air uh, for the record uh, because Sherry is the one that kind of sits down and listens to me gripe about all the issues I'm having with my kids because <laughs> all everything that I'm facing right now she usually is like about a year or two out from like after uh, having dealt with it so she makes me feel a little bit better that uh, 
you know, things, things will get better. So I, I've clocked a lot of hours talking to Sherry and I appreciate <laughs> it. And the reason I asked you two to come on here is because I know that I could go to each of you and invite you to come on the show with very little time to prep and with uh, almost no information to go off of. And I know that it would be a great conversation. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. But I wanted to get your opinion. Maybe, Barbara, you can go first on what are kind of the differences when we're looking at children's nutrition. What are kind of the big differences that need to be focused on for nutrition for children versus nutrition for adults? And why can my kids live off of like one cheese stick a month and still grow? Uh, how does that work? <laughs> can you can you talk about kids' nutrition a little bit and how it differs from a, adult nutrition? Yeah, I mean that's a big question um, to answer in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, children obviously are growing, so nutrition is intended to support that growth. But there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on as kids are are developing. It's not even so. It, a lot of it is macronutrition, so calories, fat, protein, carbohydrates, uh, but also introducing them to different varieties of foods and um, be, being exposed to preparation and, and trying new foods. There, there's so much other stuff that's going on uh, that adults, I mean, maybe if you're an adult and, and you weren't exposed to a lot of foods, that's part of the adult um, eating process as well. But, you know, when children are growing, um, optimally they're not eating one cheese stick a month <laughs> they're they're um you know and and kids eat differently than well maybe they grow into their eating habits right and sherry you can talk about this yeah. probably more but um we see you know young kids they don't always eat three meals a day because they don't necessarily understand that oh you're supposed to you know fuel yourself throughout the day and as parents you know you try and impart that knowledge to your kids but um, adults know that, but as a kid, you're just eating when you're hungry and you're stopping when you're full and you're not as influenced by all this other stuff. Um, so kids can get distracted. So sometimes they're not wanting to eat dinner when you're serving dinner. And, you know, back in, in my generation, I think I'm a little older than both of you. Um, you know, it was like, sit at the table until you finish your, <laughs> your, your meal oh, yeah. <laughs> or your vegetables. And it was like the clean, clean plate situation. Uh, we know a lot clean more about yep. behavior and nutrition now, but, um, you know, so anyway, I guess, does, is that answering your question? I'll let Sherry talk more about that. Yeah. Sherry, what's, what, what's your take on it? Yeah. I think, uh, to build on what I agree with everything Barb has said, but I also think that it's really important to to create a positive relationship with food. So I think, you know, if your child is once a cheese stick and then you work on the next meal or presenting, I mean, I, I have these portion plates. I'm a mama four. So that's the other job that I have. <laughs> and so I've seen, I've seen the eating patterns change over time and it's kind of cyclical. Um, and one child that might eat something one day decides that they don't like it the next day. Um, so I think a lot of trial and error is very important. But one of the most important things that I think, I think variety, because if you get a variety, you're more likely to get the vitamins and minerals that you need from food. Um, and as Barbara mentioned on her last episode, there's no replacement for nutrition that comes from food, no vitamin. So if you tend to eat a variety of foods, you're more likely to, to meet your needs. Um, and again, not forcing them to finish because we want them to learn to stop when they're full. 
um, because that's something that as you get older, when you don't do that, it can have, you know, negative consequences and kind of lead to the problem of obesity that's, that we're seeing in our country. So I, I find that exposing them, presenting them with a plate that might have three blueberries on it with a protein, a vegetable, but it has color, it has variety, and they might choose not to eat all of it. So if you give them only a couple, you're not wasting um, being conscious of food waste. But the other thing that I think is really important is behavior um, with meals and eating. And when it's possible, eating as a family. And there's actually been studies done to show the benefits of eating as a family. And it sounds very simple, but as families get, you know, kids get in activities and you're very busy and you're working, it's harder than it sounds, right? To get home (laughs) and cook a meal and all sit down at the same time. The kids are screaming, you're starving, they're just grabbing whatever they can, and you're just kind of in the survival mode. So um, I think planning is important um, as a parent. So then you can, you know, grocery shop. So you have food available, uh, presenting variety. And then as they get older, I think involving them in um, the meal planning and preparation and looking at recipes. Like my, my, my 11-year-old and my 13-year-old have taken an interest in cooking. So cookbooks and reviewing them. And when you cook together and it's, an, and it's a process Eating is a very social experience. Um, so when you eat together, you cook together, you talk about what you're going to make. It again creates that positive relationship with food. It creates that um, that excitement about dining together, and and it's they also learn from you as parents. So by setting an example, I think it's really it's really key. I'm in that survival mode right now. <laughs> um, Sh- Sherry, in your opinion, is there or I guess in your highly educated opinion? <laughs> Is there anything, any aspects of nutrition or, or types of foods uh, that are more important for kids to get versus adults? Or is it kind of like just get as much variety in there as possible? Or is there, is there something that like people who really want their kids to be, you know, growing and, and, and um, developing at optimal capacity, you know, what, what is, what are the things that we really should make sure that our kids don't miss out on when they're little, you know, my kids are five, three, and almost two. So I'm right in that, like all the, these different stages of growth. And, and, um, it's, it's hard to kind of try and like figure out what should we be giving them to make sure that they're getting what they need. And, and, and is that different from what we're eating? So what do you think would be kind of some things to make sure that, uh, kids get in their daily nutrition? I think it's pretty much the same as adults. I don't think we have to complicate it more, um, but smaller, you know, smaller amounts, but they still need variety, you know, exposure to different things. Um, They still need protein, fat, carbohydrates, fruits and vegetables, and, you know, fruits and vegetables, try not to have the same things every day. You know, they might like baby carrots, but add a cucumber, try, try cooking and raw. Some kids prefer cooked vegetables, some prefer raw. So trying different um, cooking methods, but just building that foundation of foods that they are comfortable with at a young age um, is important. And even if they say they don't like it, keep trying. If it's something that you enjoy as a family, maybe put less of it on their plate or let them choose if they want to have it. But I think trying not to cook separately for children is also important because if you have to, I mean, one thing I try to do is I make a meal and I try to make the things separately. So if they don't like them touching, that's okay, but they're all on the plate in, a, in some form or fashion so that you're delivering that variety in a maybe more kid-friendly way. Um, maybe you add some sauces, um, but I do think 
nutrition is that not that much different for children other than the fact that they need um, just smaller amounts and it, it changes over time. Um, and then the frequency of eating, you know, you don't, they might not make it just three meals a day. Snacking is important if they have planned healthy snacks between mm-hmm. meals um, to keep their stamina going, keep them thinking, to keep them focused, keeping them from having behavioral meltdowns, which I know is common <laughs> with younger children um, and even sometimes older children <laughs> or adults. Yeah. I find that I tend to <laughs> plan snacks in my day because it, I avoid overeating at the meal if I'm not ravenous. Um, so I, I try to do for my children what I would do for myself because nutrition is very important to me. Um, and I think that it doesn't have to be, you know, there's no good or bad food. There's everything can fit in moderation. And when you plan it out over the course of a week, so it's nice to hear that as a dietitian, nutrition is important to you. (laughs) (laughs) So Barb, we're obviously a seafood podcast. We're all the seafood industry has hooked both of you and and it's I know it's hard to get out once you get that hook in you. Um what what's your opinion on children eating seafood and why do you think it is such a challenge in the United States versus other countries? What what's your opinion on that? Because I, I want to get into kids eating more seafood and, and how we can do it, but I want to first look at why it's difficult versus chicken or or beef or other things. Well, uh, culturally, I think seafood is is not um, as prominent. I was thinking about what is because I didn't have questions or we didn't we didn't have time to prepare or yeah, talk about you. this before doing <laughs> this interview. But I was thinking about, yeah, why why is it that children don't eat enough or more seafood in the United States as compared to, say, other places? And and I largely thought about culture, and I, it also reminded me of a, an opportunity that I had very early in my career working for a supermarket. I was invited by a Japanese company, um, and, and really, the, the, it wasn't a seafood company, but um, they took us on this cultural excursion. So I flew to Japan and spent about a week there, and one of the experiences was uh, going to this to a school and participating in their school meal program. And in Japan, they have a very unique child nutrition program. It's called the Shokuiku program, where kids are involved in preparation. And and the day that I was there, they were making fish. <laughs> of course, J- Japanese, they eat a lot more seafood per capita than, than we do in the United States. But they were making fish that actually look like fish. And of course, other cultural things on a Japanese plate are you know seaweed, and they had uh, soy milk and a few other things. And these kids ate everything on the plate. And I, I was looking at my, my um, I have a Bolton board behind me and I have pictures, you know, my friends and family and stuff like that. And I had that picture of, of that day. I was, it's on my Bolton board of when I was there and the meal. And if you serve that to one of your kids in the school meal program, they probably freak out. Um, but I think a lot of, getting kids to eat seafood is being comfortable with it in the household. And there's a lot of adults Mm -hmm. that don't eat a lot of seafood. I mean, in, Mm -hmm. in the Northeast, um, I think it, and areas closer to, to where you're fishing. Um, and so maybe I shouldn't say Mm -hmm. that because in the Midwest, they have the fish fry and that kind of stuff. So exposure is a big deal, but also the other difference. So culturally um, is one thing, but also we have all these like scary regulations for pregnant moms and, and that kind of sends the wrong message in a way that 
oh, there's something dangerous about eating seafood, which I think influences moms and families when they're preparing meals at home thinking, oh, there might be something that's dangerous about serving this mm. all the time. And then the, I mean, I'm going to let Sherry answer this too, because I'm sure she has similar, but also some different perspectives. I think as adults and parents, it's sometimes overwhelming to think about cooking seafood at home. There's a lot of fear that it's not easy to do. It's one of the easiest proteins to prepare, by the way. But I think that also stops a lot of families. And also affordability tends to be an issue yeah, as well. True. And that's just a shame because, I mean, there's a such a wide variety of seafood choices out there and at all different price points, whether it's frozen, fresh, canned, uh, or, or even dried, there's lots of mm -hmm. options. So I'll let Sherry add her, her take, but I think, um, getting kids to eat more at home is, is a complex issue. Uh, but there's definitely solutions. And Sherry's going to tell us how to do that. Yeah, no. Well, I completely agree. But I'm a mom, and I have I have the training and the education, and I know exactly how it should be done. But I know the challenges that really happen in your family because I experience them them as well. You know, you don't want to make a meal that three of your six family members are going to eat because then you're making two meals, or they're going to be hungry, and you're doing it again. Um, not to mention the waste or the expense. So I do think you hit on all the key factors, the reasons. But ultimately, if parents aren't eating seafood, the kids aren't going to eat seafood. So it needs to start with setting the example, parents being more comfortable with it. So ultimately, you know, one of the things that I really believe in as an organization is we're working on education and recipes and food photography and creating the excitement and making parents more comfortable. So then they feel more confident feeding it to their kids, because if they think they don't like it, then... They're not going to, they might think it's good for you, but good for you is not a big enough reason for a kid to eat fish. It has to taste good mm -hmm. and it can't, it can't smell bad. So I feel like the presentation is really important. Um, so again, sauces, I find, you know, maybe like a sauce that they might, they might like on chicken, you know, working, you can basically, if you have a mild white fish, you can prepare it similar to chicken. Um, and you can bake it. If you bake it in the oven and you cover it, it doesn't, have a strong smell. And the key is the cleanup. Sometimes if you cook on aluminum foil, if you're baking a piece of frozen fish, again, that's just as convenient as making a, a chicken nugget. Oh, sure. So it, it doesn't... Have you tried the air fryer um, with fish? I've not, but I have one and I need to really oh, experiment it. My wife does salmon in the air fryer and it is just, it's perfect. It Ooh, cooks it I'll have to do that. You know what my new favorite thing is? I bought these parchment bags. Oh, yeah. And I've been... It's so easy because then I just take the bag and I can throw it away. There's no smell. There's no mess. And it's 20 minutes. My salmon is perfectly moist. My family's not huge on salmon and I'm still working on it with, you know, if, but when it doesn't smell, it's better. So I, mm. that's been my newest thing. You can even stick your sauce, your bungees, everything in there. It's super easy, quick, but it definitely has to start with the parents um, and, and not presenting it as this is good for you, but presenting it as look at this delicious fish. My daughter, my, one of my pickiest eaters, she'll eat like a baked beer batter or a battered fish and she'll call it kid fish. And although, you know, it's not perfect all the time, once in a while to have something and at least it introduces her to seafood and to the, the flavor profile. So, um, again, like you said, it can be canned frozen. And sometimes the frozen products give the convenience 
that families need when you get home from work and you can steam some broccoli, put some rice in a rice cooker and bake the fish and it's all finished in 20 minutes. And you don't have much more than that when you've got hungry kids. So yeah, 20 um, minutes would be nice. Yeah. Not (laughs) being afraid of not being afraid of frozen. I think a lot of times people think it's not as healthy. In fact, when it's frozen at peak freshness, it can be better than getting fresh fish at the supermarket. Yeah, that's something so, that we've said a lot on the podcast that we It's really really on. important to get, you know, out of thinking and even vegetables same same is true. So, if you if you don't have time to grocery shop a couple times a week, which most families don't, working moms, you know, make sure you stock your freezer with things that are, you know, quick and easy um, and nutritious to put on on the table and then, you know, maybe have a variety of dipping sauces and things that you can put on the side to let them experiment. So I think that's the other way to try new things. There, You know, the, the whole frozen idea, I am always looking for quick and easy things. And just recently I had walked into one of my local supermarkets and they had merchandised some prepared stuffed mushrooms. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to buy those. And they were like, you know, maybe six bucks or something. And I thought, huh, that's kind of for like four stuff, you know, big mushrooms. And I, oh, that's a little pricey. I could do this myself. So I walked right into the produce department, bought my portobello mushrooms. And then I was like, how could I make this really super delicious and healthy? And they have, I was in a safe way. And so I had to walk through, you walk through produce and then there's this, the seafood department and the frozen um, bunkers and stuff there. And I ended up buying frozen crab cakes little mini crab, the mini ones. And so I stuffed them in, them in there. <gasps> it was so, brilliant. It was so delicious. So, um, so that was like a I little hack, try that. but yeah. I also like, I mean, I, I, as an adult, I, and again, this is just to help parents out there feel a little bit more calm about this because I was never really a super seafood eater or vegetable eater as a kid. And I'm a dietitian, uh, and I am probably one of the best eaters. <laughs> I challenge you to see if there's a better eater than I am. Like I eat any seafood, any vegetable. I I love it all. So here's from a kid that did not eat very well as a, as a youngster and I eat everything, but the frozen options are vast these days. Like you can buy Mm -hmm. a cedar planked seasoned salmon Mm -hmm. in the grocery store. Now there's a whole variety of different seasoned but, I mean, and of course, these guys, you know, this working, having worked in the food industry that R&D, they don't, it's no coincidence that there is a teriyaki or a, yep. you know, the seasoning, they have tested mm-hmm. this and done consumer yeah. panels and only the most light items are going to be the seasonings that they're using to create, you know, fish burgers or salmon burgers or um kits that, you know, are trying to make it easy for people to prepare things. And I mean, the other thing that we haven't really mentioned is, you know, kids find their favorite foods just like adults do, right? And so if your kid loves macaroni and cheese, every once in a while, just serving some seafood or item that along with something they really love. So I don't recommend mixing it in there because that that whole strategy definitely backfires. But but serving something and then maybe at a future time incorporating it, and I'm not saying mixing salmon into mac and cheese or something, but but pasta, you know, throwing in some shrimp here and there, that is, you can get there with a kid um, mm-hmm. and an adult. <laughs> yeah. Very true. 
So two mm-hmm. things that we've experienced, because as, like I said, I'm going through having very young kids right now. And two things, one that we experienced, one is we, with our third kid, we decided to introduce her to things before she like has opinions, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So she can't even speak or like doesn't know what she likes or anything. So she ended up having like eating uh, my wife's entire lobster roll one day because she <laughs> saw that she was eating it and she wanted to taste it. And then she ended up eating like the whole thing. And so we gave her shrimp like a month later and she just chowed down on it. And now we try to just like give it to her right because she can't say she doesn't like it yet. Right. Cause she's just, she'll yeah. just take whatever you give her and put it in her mouth. So any parents with little kids, there's a tip, just, just start before they have opinions. Um, <laughs> That's a good then, point. Because my other a bad kids, place to start though. Let me tell you. No, exactly. It, well, I, you know, it doesn't smell at all. It's, it's mm-hmm. covered in mayonnaise. It's, it's cold. It's in a hot dog bun. So, yeah. So it's, it's a good place to start. The only fish that we have been able to get my kids to eat, as is expected, is fish sticks, and we have to lie to them and call them chicken sticks. But they will eat those pretty ravenously. But the other thing that we're noticing now that my oldest daughter is in public school, she's in kindergarten now, and she gets access to hot lunches, and she's eating lunch with a lot of other people, mm-hmm. is the influence like from her peers. Because it's one thing if like we're eating something and trying to get them to eat, or if they're at a big family dinner or something. But when it's other kids their age that they interact with regularly that they like that they're friends with and they and they see them eating other stuff all of a sudden harper who's my oldest is now like oh i want to have this tonight it's like you've never even had that before she's like no well you know so and so had that with their lunch and i want it and i love it it's my favorite have you ever tried it no but she likes it so i love it and um that's been a really big thing we've never been able to have them eat any meat or anything that's not like breaded and fried and then recently, Harper tried rotisserie chicken and then turkey. And at Thanksgiving, she had like six servings of the turkey um, when she would never would have even tried anything like that beforehand. So I see a lot of benefits to that kind of peer influence when they get a little bit older and they see other people their age eating things that they don't normally have. And it, it's really had a big impact on, on them. So I think the psychology behind that, too, is kind of cool. Um, I don't want to go for too long uh, because this is intended to be kind of a shorter episode. We've already gone for about a half hour, but I, I want to give you each kind of a last minute chance to say any, you know, anything else that is on your mind about this topic, about kids and nutrition and, and kids eating seafood and stuff, but it's particularly centered around North America because that's where I think it's a, a really big challenge. Uh, Sherry, why don't you, or no, Sherry, you just finished. So Barbara, why don't you go first and then we'll have Sherry uh, finish up. Wow. I feel like I've been talking way too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do on here. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the gig. I mean, so I work with Superior Fresh Salmon uh, Aquaponics. So, of course, uh, I'm very focused on salmon uh, in, in promoting the consumption of salmon. And, you know, I think speaking to why I'm so passionate about even promoting this product, not I mean, I, I work for them because I sought them out, not because they sought me out. I just think Kids do not get enough omega-3s. Adults don't get enough omega-3 fatty acids, these long-chain fatty acids that are also important during pregnancy and and, uh, development as child development. So I think that a lot of people are not even aware that they're, they're lacking this in their diet. And of course, there's always supplements out there, but what people fail to realize when, and it's, it's kind of, you never really want to give your kids supplements. I mean, that's, it just doesn't feel right. Um, and of course, sometimes the challenge of getting them to eat fatty fish like salmon, because it does have sort of, sort of a stronger taste. But again, I think putting it in a format that kids 
are familiar with. So making little mini sliders and serving it on those delicious Hawaiian little <laughs> ones is a, is a King's Hawaiian. way to do Ooh, yeah. it. Um, or, um, it, you know, but raising the awareness that uh, the lack of omega-3s is, is very, it's devastating in a way because we know that when kids are consuming more uh, omega-3s and, and seafood in general, because it's a nutrient-dense source of not only omega-3s or the, the fatty fish like salmon, halibut, tuna, um, that it also provides vitamin D, selenium, things that you don't find in other places in the diet. So trying to get your kids to eat more of those fatty fish is, is very important. So I think that would be my takeaway is just raising the awareness of the value of um, omega-3s. And there's tons of research. You can, you can even Google it, um, omega-3s and find data on learning. So kids that get more omega-3s um, learn better and they have um, more sophisticated computational skills, you know, when they compare them to kids that don't eat um, or don't have adequate omega-3 levels. There's also a relationship to allergies and respiratory illnesses for kids that get more omega-3s. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, of course, we work in the seafood industry, so we know this stuff, but the general public is not aware of the things that they're missing when they're not prov providing uh, seafood as a protein source to themselves and to their kids. I think the other one too, that's really big right now is mental health and the benefit of omega-3s for mental health. It is, you know, seeing it younger and younger and it's, it's quite sad, but anything we can do um, with food <laughs> is, is very beneficial. So. Yeah. And that calls right back to uh, Barbara's episode talking about food as medicine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that it has an impact in that space as well, the mental health space as well as just the physical health. So, so this has been great. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I know we pulled it together kind of fast and scheduling was kind of crazy. And I didn't give you guys a lot of prep time, but that was on purpose because I think we had a really great conversation. We spoke from our heart and from our heads. And I just want to thank you guys so much for doing this. And I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. If there's any last minute message you want to send to our listeners before you sign off, you guys have the floor. I just always say dietitians unite. I mean, it's been so wonderful <laughs> meeting you and talking with you, Sherry what a wealth of knowledge and information and just your background and, and different experience. This is what makes the world go round and what makes our profession so, um, so great. Uh, and to see more dietitians working in seafood is exciting to me because there's, there's not many. <laughs> so. No, I completely agree. But I, I think the other thing, um, I think about my career path and even your career path, but you, you focus on foods or things that you need to change or eat less of, or, but with seafood, this is one category where like, we need to do more and trying to encourage the public of all ages to eat more and to talk about all the good that it has to offer. So I think it's a really exciting industry. Um, it's a nice place to be working as a dietitian. And I agree, Barb, you know, working together, we can try to change the perception, make it fun, exciting, open people's minds as to the reasons why. And yeah, we have come a long way, but we can certainly, um, we can certainly improve the Maybe try to get up to two times per week yeah. <laughs> for most people, which that would be fantastic. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys again so much for coming on and we will talk to you soon. Thank, thank you, you so much. Great to meet you. Thank Likewise, you. Likewise. Thank you. Folks, that was our bonus episode with Sherry Clark and Barbara Ruse talking about 
how to get kids to eat more seafood. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. And if this is something that you want to learn more about, I'm happy to connect you with either of these guests. And I'm sure they'd be more than happy to talk to you about this topic some more in depth. So again, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you again.